One, two, two, three, three. Great, that was a thing that we did. Um, here we go. Pretty soon I'm gonna be famous, a little more famous than you. Certain people will greet my name with a proud and mighty And one glorious day my songs will be played at an airport chili's too. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous, and you can be famous too. Welcome to Famous. We are a couple of guys who like to talk about uh, how famous we are or are not and how famous our friends are or are not um there are a couple of us here i am ben thornwell we also have with us tommy siegel what up also i gotta say i just i'm still it's still new to me i'm savoring that theme song it's a really i'm sure i'll get sick of it at some point but i'm savoring it i I, every time it gets to the boo or the you suck when you're being played at the chilies too the airport chilies it's fabulous it's uh, thank you. Yeah, we had we had a lot of fun doing that. I was in a full blown. Uh, I had COVID when we were doing that. We did it two days ago. <laughs> this is uh, Jesse. Also, that was two days ago. I introduced myself. We I wrote those lyrics. Thank you very much. It's the first song I ever contributed to this band, um, and I wrote them in the shower. Of course. What else were you doing in that shower? You you wrote them like in the steam, like with your finger. <laughs> I'm currently living in a studio apartment with my girlfriend, and I literally thought of the Chili's 2 line, and I literally had to shut... I, I, okay, I was not in the shower. Actually, I was in the bathroom because I, I was being really annoying, and I needed, like, I needed some separation to just like try to sing this melody. And so I go in the bathroom, shut the door, and then there's like all this reverb, and I'm like, Airport Chili's 2! <laughs> Yeah, you're really, you're really taking oh. me there. I, that's the, I really that story that. really like that story was like building and building, and then it was just done. Well, and 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 you guys were working. We, I wasn't in I wasn't in town, but you guys were working on this song in New York while Ben, you had an active case of COVID, and I guess Jesse because you didn't feel like <laughs> it was possible for you to get it. You went over and hung out with so. For the last ben. nine months, Jesse has taken a position that, um, <laughs> well, uh, so I've had a lot, no, hear me out. I've had a okay. lot of big events in the last nine months. I got married. We went on tour, went home to see family and my, you know, 90 year old grandmother. Then, uh, my now wife and I went on safari and then we had a wedding. So I've always had a reason not to get COVID. And Jesse, every time we talked was like, you should just go get COVID. <laughs> Like that was your position. That's the fact. You're like, go All get right. COVID. Go get COVID. Hold on. I'll, I'll let you'll have your chance. Like, go get COVID. I didn't think that was a great idea, but and, and I made it through these events. I never got COVID. It was great. You know, Tommy, Jesse, you both got COVID on tour. That was a whole thing. We can talk about that someday. But we went to this wedding all together. I came back. I got COVID. Jesse and I had this day on the books, and I was like, dude, I just tested positive. I don't feel great. I know we were supposed to work today. That's a bummer. I'm sorry. And you're like, I'll just come over. And I was like, you have to. You have to because okay, you this, know is what? Your, this is your thing. <laughs> we you, thought you about want, it. You're, you're, you're trying to get We COVID. had to cool. think about it. Okay. 
it is true that I made a calculation and I said I would rather, if I'm going to get Omicron, I'd rather get it now than get it on tour in one month. Yeah, that's totally fair. <laughs> but my girlfriend and my entire family actually got Omicron a month ago and I was the only one who didn't get it. So I'm pretty sure I'm immune. No, I, I, I think now it is very safe to say that you're immune. But you are right that I did suggest to Ben that before his honeymoon, him and Kelly, they were, they were isolating. Kelly works from home. And they're like, yeah, we just, we really need to isolate all month because we got a big honeymoon. And I'm like, you're isolating. It sounds like, uh, sounds like you're quarantining. Might as well be sick. Get it over with. And then you, and then you got him COVID as a, as a wedding present, which I thought was really yeah, fucked up. It was so nice of you. Anyway, you know, it's this is this is a, a nice podcast for, you know, differing opinions and talks about real stuff. Um, <laughs> I feel like in the spirit of making this podcast listenable, we should we should move on and maybe maybe bring in our friend. Yeah. Time? Yeah. Special guest. Hell yeah. Special guest. He's so special. All right, well, uh, let's bring our let's bring our guest in then. Uh, it is a dear friend of mine and of ours, a fellow now New Yorker, uh, extraordinary vocalist, wonderful songwriter, band leader, a surprisingly happy person. If you've heard his music, uh, we would like to welcome Coyle Girelli. Hello, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, thank you. I don't realize there's so many people in here. It's a big podcast. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, we do like wait, wait, don't tell me, you know. Yeah, no, it's good. We had so many years of playing to nobody that we learned how to applaud for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's good, and they're lively as well. They're up for it. It's nice. Yeah, our our fans that are us are are, are great. <laughs> well, anyway, dude, thank you so much for for joining us on this, you know, crazy, wacky, weird, awesome uh, podcast adventure. Full full transparency, Coyle and I have been writing a bunch of music together, and. Uh, even working on a big musical theater project um, hey. that maybe one day we'll be able to legally talk about. Yes. Oh, you can't. Oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> Can we, Coil? I don't know. I mean, it's. Yeah. I don't know. Can we? I, I if guess. You guys, if you guys do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sue you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just talk about. Yeah. It. Let's talk about the now, and then we'll ask you questions about your deep dark past and how you ended up here and all that stuff. But you, you, uh, I was on tour a couple, a couple of years ago, and I made a little post online, like getting, looking for recommendations of, uh, like musicals because it's a hard sell for me to like really like uh -huh. new musicals. And you saw right through the that like message or post or whatever, and you called me like, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna." Yeah, write a I knew what you were doing. And I was like, "Oh, okay." I knew what you were doing, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, give it a rest. Come on, let's just do a musical." So yeah, so I hit you up. Because I already had the idea, and I had already messaged the author of the book that we have based the musical on, and he was like, sure, go for it. And I was like, hmm. And then you posted that, and I was like, oh, perfect. Fan and I should do it. Let's do it. And you were like, yes. And that was it. And now so we've written you, a musical. How did you acquire the rights to the, like the, the first Harry Potter book <laughs> for a musical? J.K. Rowling was just like, uh, why not? There's already 10 Harry Potter musicals. Why not have one more? And that was it. <laughs> no, she, didn't, she, she didn't mind. She was like, take it. Honestly, you can have the, you have the rights. Exclusive. Yeah. 
What is this? Oh, Henry Potter the Musical by Coyle Gerelli. <laughs> Dirty Henry Potter. <laughs> the pervert wizard. <laughs> I love Henry Potter. <laughs> Anyway, Coyle, it was one of the joys of, of quarantine to uh, you and I like worked every single week, um, pretty much. And just like chipped away at these songs and, uh, and did um, it. look, whether it's happening. It. Yeah. And, and I think we're, 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 we're yeah. close. We are yeah. waiting on, on lawyers as one does uh, forever. Um, yeah. They're making themselves some money. The lawyers, um, they need money, more money. Yeah. They have to take their time. They yeah. Just really do. Um, well, look, um, you obviously uh, ha- have an accent that tells that you're from a different yeah. place. I hope that's okay yeah. to say. Um, I feel like you're now like a, a true New Yorker, um, but that wasn't always the case. Do you mind like just giving a little like insight into like how you got started and your band and, and how you ended up over here? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a town called Otley, which is in West Yorkshire in North England. Kind of very pretty, very rural, lots of farms, lots of sheep, so a little town, it's like 10,000 people, one school, you know, it's like a little town, um, which was an awesome place to grow up looking back on it as an adult because you were just allowed to be a kid in somewhere like that, you know, mess around with frogs, wander around in the woods and, you know, kid stuff. Um, and then, and then you kind of get to sort of 12 and 13 and you're like, um, okay, you know, you discover music, and I kind of would, I'd always written books and things as a very little kid, and then that kind of just became music once I discovered music. But I was always humming, I was always writing songs subconsciously without kind of realizing it. And so, in a small town, there's only a handful of other people who <laughs> who play music. So, um, you know, we got together. And we made a band, and um, yeah, and that kind of like propelled the whole thing. You know, we were awful. <laughs> we can relate to that. Mm-hmm. We know that feeling. The first gig was like two hours, two and a half hours long of, I think it was Oasis, Nirvana, and like Smashing Pumpkins. Like classic rock. Two hours for like 20 friends who, wow. who were just so bored, but were really loyal, I guess. <laughs> Where where was what kind of a place was that gig? Where did it was a youth club? It was a youth club next to the school, uh, which is and it's still there. She went to see it, took a picture of it because it's the only thing still there. The school is gone; it's all houses now. But the terrible youth club is still there. So I just so I just envisioned this like wasteland of leveled buildings, but one youth center with like the local band playing. This is a slight uh, derailment, but. one of my favorite gigs we ever played was at a, a, a youth center where we opened for a band called, opened for a band of 13 and 14 year olds <laughs> called uh, Jammin' with Charlie. And Char- Charlie was not the lead singer. <laughs> he was not even in the band. <laughs> they fired him he was in the band. He, he was, I, I think he must have been the guy who like, you know, they used his his garage as a practice space or something because he was just the rhythm rhythm guitarist, and for some reason, <laughs> the band was called Jamming with Charlie. I like it. It's a super nice name for a bunch of thirteen year olds, isn't it? Jamming with I mean, Charlie. to their credit, they played Crazy Train, and it sounded it wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're a good band. 
Was that the gig where the members? No, that was a, that was a, that was many years. It was a decade Wait, later. Really? In Kansas City, yeah, or wherever it was. Wow, Jesse, I have a similar memory though. It's, that the think... names are similar. I don't know whether to say the name on this. It was Andrew and the Dudes. Was that one? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we played a jam in jam with Charlie and Andrew and the Dudes. All the good band names are taken. <laughs> Oh, it's a nightmare, though. I'm trying to burn them. Oh, my God. I've had enough of them. I mean, we've had Wait, so, so many so bad Wait, so what was... At that point, were you your Vegas? Were you no, something else? No, we were, like, all sorts throughout the years. So we were Paintbox originally, which was the name of a paint store near Manchester City Stadium, an old stadium in uh, Mossside, which is, like... Uh, anyway. So we did one gig of that, and then we did a gig called Dive, and then... We were called Orca for a while. We became a band when we were when we were Orca. We we went into Leeds, which is the nearest city, and we got a promoter who who booked us a lot. And um, we actually did relative started to do relatively well. We we were in a battle of the bands, which is classic, you know. Classic. We lost. We lost, but we to. got half the school left to support us, and that at least guaranteed a second place. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we we were rigged. I mean, it was rigged. We were sure it was rigged. They stolen stolen our crown. There was corruption, and so yeah. So, but you know, on the back of that, we ended up being able to play gigs and quite a lot of gigs, and we ended up in Leeds filling pretty big rooms. And Leeds at the time, and still is a really good city to be a band. It's Two big universities there, and loads of music venues, and loads of bands, and um, and at the time a really healthy music scene, which we kind of stumbled into, kind of sort of five or six bands, kind of all rose to the top, of which we were one, and everybody <clears throat> on the back of that, you know, within a couple of years, everybody kind of got record deals. The Kaiser Chiefs were probably the first from that scene to get a record deal and start being in the charts and. Very soon, you know, English English music business, like, it's just, like, it is the worst example of everyone is a sheep. So once there's, no one, none of them would have ever dreamed of venturing all the way up to Leeds from London. But as soon as there was one band, then they were there every other week and everybody got signed. So did, did, did the Kaiser Chiefs, like, open yeah. it up for yeah. as soon as they hit? Everyone's like, that's yeah. the music. So then, um, so then, yeah, the whole kind of, oh, yeah, every band in that scene kind of got signed, and, which was awesome. Um, we were the youngest of that scene, um, and we were the probably the last one to like, get a record deal. But So for us, then we went to university in Leeds, and then it was during university that we signed our first production deal uh, with Epic, Sony Epic. And then... Um, they gave us a load of money, which now would be a full advance worth of money, but then was like a production deal because we were needed yeah. work, I guess. So I bought a whole studio set and we all lived together anyway. So um, we just kind of rehearsed and wrote and recorded and rehearsed and wrote. And uh, my girlfriend was living in New York and I would go and visit her. And so many people in London said, oh, you should go and meet the so many people in New York, and I was like, that sounds awesome, going to like the big old Sony building, and I think Steve Lillywhite was the head of A&R at the time, and it was all very glam and all very cool, and I loved it. And um, and the A&R department over there really liked the band and really liked the stuff, and I would go in and play like little acoustic 
sessions for them and you know fearing that everything was going to go tits up in England as it, as it, as it had done a few times before in a row like there'd been a series of like very close and everything goes wrong and we were now en- entering into a negotiation for like five album deal with Epic in England and it just went on and on and on and it was like I'd just like email the lawyer like every week and be like is, is this contract or anything signed yet or no, because blah, blah, blah. anyway, seven months later, um, they decided that they didn't want to do the deal. <laughs> so we were like, oh, okay. Wait, so, like, can I ask you a quick question? So they've given you all this money as a production budget, which like nowadays is like probably an unheard of sum. Because... Yeah, it would be like a major label deal nowadays, but then it's just... But they, they just gave you that money to say, make some stuff, see yeah. what happens? Yeah, and we did, and we toured a bunch in England, which was amazing, and we released a, a, a few EPs, and we're doing relatively all right, and some of the singles did okay, they were kind of charting in the indie charts. So anyway, they, they, they didn't take us on, so we went and did um, the classic London showcase, which is every single member of the music business comes down to one gig, and that's it. It's like make or break show. Like literally every label, every publisher, every radio, like every, everybody is down there for, for one gig. And um, I was like, all right, let's go and get ourselves a new record deal. And so we played, and I thought we played amazing. We played as well as we could with the best songs we had. And, and you know, afterwards you go out into the crowd, and of which it was 250 members of the London music scene that was the only people in the crowd. And so, which is just horrifying. Because what what venue is this, out of curiosity? Um, water Rat. I, I thought it might be. Yeah, classic. We've dirty, played Water Rat. Yeah, King's Cross. And, um, you know, so we, we walk out into, in doing the rounds and I'm chatting to the kind of the A&R and it's just like idiotic comment after idiotic comment, like, one that stuck with me was, I just feel like you're writing songs for like 20,000 people arenas and you should be writing songs for like 100 people like in a dive bar. I was like, oh, what does that mean? I was like, we're, that's when I realized we were in, in trouble in that room. So um, <laughs> I was like, I don't think this has gone well. Even though we... Really- you're, writing, you're writing songs that thousands of people would like and you should write it for a much yeah, smaller crowd. It was. There should be a book of like insane things that music industry people have said to bands or artists. Oh yeah. There's just, just so oh. many ridiculous things. And you just have to sit there and be like, oh I mean you don't have to, but to be polite, you kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, uh, okay. Good point. And then um and, you know, and then so that night we kind of parted ways with our manager because like well, this this is fucked. And I said to the to the band, I was like, I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to try and figure this out. So I kind of recorded some new demos <clears throat> and just flew off to New York. Um, I'd broken up with that girlfriend, but I crashed on a friend's couch. So, yeah, so I land, I land in New York and um, go to a BMI event that night and meet, you know, a bunch of other people and the rest and their history and never really left. And that was it. We got a deal. We, we signed to Republic a few, like, sort of six months later, and that was the rest of the band came over. We sold our stuff, took out some credit cards, and that was it. Wow. You don't sound like someone who has suffered. 
you don't like admitting that you've suffered too much. Like, you've, you've got a pretty uh, good attitude, I must say. It's like, you know, fast forward, like, this good thing happened. And then, you know, yeah. like, this other good thing happened. I mean, th I think that's how we talk about our band, too. Yeah. But it's, it's funny because uh, <laughs> chatting with Greg the other day, uh, I don't know. We kind of jumped right in. We were, like, looking into the abyss for a moment, <laughs> uh, you know? Talking about culinary school. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I don't know. That's just kind of like, I mean, I've definitely had many moments where I've stared at the ceiling for weeks on end. But um, yeah, I don't know. In terms of when the bad things happened in music, of which there's loads, you know, so much of it is failure and then through failure. Um, I was just like, okay, so I'll go do this and fix it. I think I'm pretty, I think I'm an optimist. Like that's kind of just my default is to be like, okay, well, we'll just do that and then it'll be okay. Like that's kind of like how I, for whatever reason, think. Obviously, once you sign the major record deal, then everything from then is, is kind of different. Even you get the, you peel back the curtain and you're like, oh my God, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, these people are useless. And they've got my career in their hands. <laughs> well, part of like part of like the concept of this podcast, right? It's fame-ish. Like, it's we are a band that have had like we have success in a very particular lane, and we get to have a career, and we get to do this, and you know we're we're having friends and 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 people on who like you know have had like these wins, right? And and unless you are an artist with like a number one hit that gets to the top and like rides it out. Like that is a path. Uh -huh. And I'm sure there are multiple versions of that, but like for you, like are there moments of, of like big wins that you can like single out and call out that sort of either sort of reinforce your decision to move to New York or convince you to keep on going for a couple more years or, you know, decide that this is right. This is the right move. I do want to keep doing music. There's, there's not another option for me. I just, I mean, I, I was kind of consistently having enough wins to be able to have a career out of it. There's been a couple of years yeah. that have been really tough. But other than a couple of years, I've managed to kind of make it work most of the time. And, um, and I just adore it. I mean, I, I just cannot imagine not writing music. I, I don't know. I do not know what I would do. If I couldn't write music, I would just go completely insane, and I, I can't function in normal life. You can't function. I mean, not but for anyone who's ever spent any time with me, I can't be. <laughs> I can't live out there. That's a week. I I, I, just, I can't. I do think that's a really funny <laughs> thing about the music industry that I, I I don't think a lot of people understand is like you kind of have to have risen to insanely high levels multiple times in your career to even make it on a working class musician level. Mm -hmm. And it's different than other, like if somebody's making a good living as a dentist, you don't assume that they're famous in some way. <laughs> like they're not a famous <laughs> dentist, but it, it, if you're making a living in music, there's, there is kind of that. If I find out somebody's like making their living in music, I'm like, Oh wow. Did you like write yeah. a number a hit for somebody? What, what do you do? You know? Yeah, it is. It is. It is definitely weird. And you know, you, you don't you don't know. I mean, you learn that, right? It's one of those things that you learn. You're like, well, you know, I'll sign to the biggest record label in the world, and now I'm famous and I'm rich. 
of the massive advance we signed, I think we each got like four grand or something to put in yeah, our yeah, pocket. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I'm about to play uh, one of your songs, but but furthering this sort of like this vibe, I uh, the at the start of the podcast, we were talking about my honeymoon. We went to Africa, uh, my wife and I, and we went to Tanzania, and we were having a conversation with you know one of the one of the people that works at the lodge that we were at, and you know we're making small talk and whatever, and he said, "So what do you do?" And I was like, "I'm I'm a, I'm a singer because musician was too complicated, band was too complicated." I was like, "I'm a singer, I sing." And he goes. Well, and what do you do for a living? Um, and like, I feel like that is something that almost everybody wants to ask, right? When you say, uh-huh. like, what do you do? I'm a musician. They all want to say, no, but really. Yeah. Like, what, what do your parents but do? But how? Yeah. Like, what do you have? Yeah. Are you rich? Like, how does, <laughs> like, who's, who's floating you? Like, and, and unless you've had that big thing to point at, it's like, it's tricky. Um, I think people should know your beautiful voice and what you do. So we're going to play a little clip of a song called Here Comes My Baby. All right. Here comes my baby Into the Whenever I hear your voice, I, I'll think I'll I'll be like he sounds like this great singer, and think of a great singer in my head, and then and then three seconds later I'll go, no, he sounds like this other great singer, and and I'm constantly shuffling through this rolodex of great singers, like which just means you're a yeah. fantastic singer. It's it's really awesome. Oh, thank you. I second that, and uh, I was just watching thank the you. Letterman performance, and what he said, he said, if I had that voice, I'd run for president. <laughs> That must have felt pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, Michelle Obama had been on the show. That was the guest on the show. It's like just us and Michelle Obama. So we had been trapped in our dressing room because we weren't allowed out because it's just, you can't get anywhere near her. So <clears throat> we were up there locked in. There was like secret service all outside. And he finishes the interview with Michelle Obama, which we were watching on the TV. And uh, I'd already asked the Secret Service if I could say hello. They were like, no, sorry. But yeah, that was awesome. That was, and just that whole stage. So, yeah. well, you had Michelle Obama as your guest. Do you know, did, do you know who the guest was when Jukebox the Ghost did Letterman? No. Donald Trump. Holy hell. This was like right before, he hadn't started running for office yet. And, and he was talking about his like ties and was like saying things that were just borderline offensive, and the three of us I remember watching, and Tommy especially was like, "You're kind of freaking out because you're like, everyone's gonna change the channel. Like, who wants to watch this? <laughs> yeah, it's boring. It's terrible. Yeah. It's boring. It's like a Monday night with Donald Trump being a total fuck. <laughs> Did you guys? <laughs> Did you guys meet the Donald or no? no. 
<laughs> no, like you are, we asked, but our our singing wasn't good enough. You could have ended this out. Don't do it, Don. It's not worth it. <laughs> no, so I'm actually glad that we, I didn't have to, I don't know, like look back of like being like oh, yeah. extra chummy and smiley and charming. You could have had a good photograph that would have been all over the internet. Oh. Donald, Trump, Donald Trump's favorite band. <laughs> he was like saying some weird racist stuff against muslims i don't even remember what he was saying but yeah, we were all just like this guy sucks you know <laughs> so but that's awesome that is a great that is just a dream of a stage to play you know what treat for a band um coil i i saw something online about you that <laughs> i did not know previously you wrote a song uh-huh. for bts i did yeah, that's insane. How did that? How did that even ha- How did that happen? A couple of years ago, that was just you know I had I had a period of time when I was kind of mainly just writing songs for other people, and um, and I just wrote a whole load of songs during that time. And one of those songs <clears throat> that I wrote with a friend of mine who's a producer, and then he started working with them, and he just played them the song, and they like recorded it that week, and then. A year later, it was a single. It was just one of those things where I didn't even, classic music business, I didn't even know it was coming out, let alone a single, until the day before it was released. Oh, by the way, the single's coming out tomorrow. Like, oh, okay. And then that was that. And then BTS is just amazing. I mean, they did, they did a really good job with the song, um, but they, their fans, it is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. How, in what way? How, they're just unbelievably dedicated. Like they adore that band. Now, did that come to you in any way? Um, only when I spoke about BTS. So if I would tweet about BTS, there would be a hundred thousand likes in like two hours. <laughs> and then if I, and then if, yeah, the next tweet would have two likes. <laughs> it was just, but anything, anything with BTS would just be like insane like they're absolutely but they knew you they knew you as someone who wrote a song for bts yeah okay and they were super appreciative and all the messages so many messages that like saying thank you and like all this stuff it was awesome i mean i i, I don't have enough good things to say about bts and their team to be honest well we'll be sure to name this episode uh bts chat yeah. Featuring Coil. <laughs> yeah, let's get those views. Um, Coil, I think it's time. We're going to play another one of your tunes. This is uh, from 7th Street with Love. Oh, my neon dream. America's favorite beauty queen. Coffee black and whiskey neat I'll kiss you right down to your feet Oh, what a scene, what a scene That's beautiful, man. It's funny. There's like, 
I think if you haven't lived in New York or spent time in New York, the the intensity of of feeling that you get when you live here and have lived here is hard to explain. Because this city is yeah. so difficult. It's such a pain in the ass. It's like yeah. it's everything is is dirty and in close quarters and the ceilings are low and it's overpriced and uh, if a friend lives more than a mile away, you never see them. And, you know, there's like, it, it, it's, it's a tricky place to live and set up. But then when you're not there or, or the thought of it, it's like, it's just heartbreaking. It is. Like, and I always, I don't know about you guys, but I always, um, <clears throat> I always get it when I leave the city. And I definitely used to get it leaving to go on tour. Like I would be, heartbroken that, I'd not, that I wasn't going to be in New York for eight weeks or nine weeks or whatever. Well, and you live like in Manhattan. You live in the thick of it. I've, I never yeah. I never had the courage to, to do the Manhattan thing. Yeah, I moved the whole band over from England. When we all moved over, we, we crashed on a friend's couch for about a month in Chelsea. He like lived in this kind of crazy loft that shared a bathroom with like two other apartments. He let us like sleep on the on the sofa bed basically for a month while we figured out a place to live and we ended up living we ended up finding a railroad apartment in Hell's Kitchen on 46th Street um, and the landlord was just like give me cash once a month and I don't, I don't care like if five of you were living in that essentially studio apartment wow. I mean like what other what other city in the world would you move into a one bedroom for, you know, God knows how much <laughs> with five dudes for the yeah. opportunity? I, I feel like you should be in the, yeah. you should be in the tenement museum. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was literally the vibe, but we were like, you know, we were, and we were skin, like none of us had any money, but we had enough every night to be able to get like a bottle of Georgie vodka and a mountain dew to kind of be able to deal with the taste of, of <laughs> But what about the exchange rate? <laughs> the exchange rate was good at the time. What a dream. And it really was a dream. Like, it was a dream to be in the city and just meeting people and being a band in the city. And just, I just adore, I just adored it so much. There's a New York? I think, um, I think we should start a segment. Is it is it segment time, guys? I think so. Let's start with everybody's favorite tour stories. Tour stories. You're on an endless highway heading into Ohio. You hear the chilling whisper of Ira Glass on the radio. We have uh, stories today about unpredictable kinds of things that can happen. It's three hours past midnight, you shiver as you realize your fate. On this never-ending tour, there's no exit. And you regret the slimy, scary, hairy, greasy, free-wrapped truck stop sausage biscuit thing you ate. Tour story. So, Coyle. No, round of applause for that. <laughs> oh, my goodness, eh? Thank you, thank you. That is that. Genius. That was done uh, at the absolute height of my uh, COVID adventure uh, <laughs> with Jesse, who came in with some some real gems. And came out with COVID. Um, Very good. Anyway, most of our, you know, we, we have toured so and played so many bad shows, and yes, we've already talked about jamming with Charlie and, 
in your first gig, but do you have like a a memory of tour or a show or something that's particularly awful? <laughs> there's, a, there's honestly a few. Um, that is the correct answer, by the way. There's quite a few, and it's it's hard to narrow down. Um, there's a couple that stand out. One because one of us nearly died. <laughs> I guess they both include someone nearly died. I'll just quickly go through both of them. Can I do two? Absolutely. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. The first one is, um, so it's how I, bro- I broke my foot on tour um, in a rather ridiculous manner. But anyway, we play a show in Chicago. We're on tour with The Bravery and a band called Fiction playing. And, and so we had another friend band in town that night, um, Jupiter One. Yeah. So we play in Chicago. We're not supposed to leave that night. I mean, we're not supposed to stay that night. We're supposed to leave straight to Minneapolis. But we're determined that because our friends are here, we have to stay. We have to have a night out in Chicago. So we demand to stay. And because we're because we're staying, we ne- we're now convinced that this is a um, it's a night. It's going to be a night. Everyone's going to be, get on it, and it's going to be a fun night. So we all go out. And we're drinking pretty heavily, and for some reason they're not playing too late. Like they're playing very late. The whole thing is kind of spiraling out of control. I leave with Sam and Joe, and the three of us go to a smaller bar to just chill and do shots and get completely. Yes, have a very chill time. Just relax. Yeah, it wasn't chill at all. I'm completely trashed. I just remember too many shots and. Then I, I go off talking to a girl and managed to lose Sam and Joe. And the next bit, everything is just blacks out. And now I don't know whether, all I remember is the landing. I don't, I don't know if I jump down some stairs or over a wall, but I land <laughs> and break my foot to snap as it hits the ground. <laughs> and so I've lost everybody. I'm in Chicago. I have no idea where I am or what bar I am, who I'm in. And I only know that we're staying in a Hilton. That's all I know. <laughs> I called the band who have an infamous um, drunken message from me that they still give me shit for, which is like, you unprofessional, you've left me <laughs> to die in Chicago. And <laughs> it's their fault, of course, that I'm completely drunk and on my own with a broken foot. So I like crawl out of this bar and get in a cab. I also have the label had given us a very fancy, expensive Nokia phone, which so we could film videos to put on the internet, which was a new thing <laughs> around <Yeah>. then. <laughs> so we had that, and I also was in my best clothes because we had just had just done a photo shoot. So I had a super expensive black jacket and jeans and a whole outfit on. So I'm in this cab, and I just—he's like, "Where do you want to go?" And I'm just like, "The Hilton." It's like it's like six Hilton in Chicago. <laughs> I'm like, I guess start with the closest. <laughs> so we kind of, <laughs> so we're kind of off around this tour of the Hiltons, and every time I would go in and ask for the tour manager's name, and he would say no, and I would crawl back out. I literally couldn't walk, and we did it all the way around, and it was like the fifth Hilton or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's room, blah, 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 blah. I'm just completely wrecked. I'm stumbling around. I'm literally crawling along the floor. They'd also, unfortunately, painted this Hilton that night white. 
And so I'm discovered in the morning asleep on this, <laughs> in my clothes, like white, completely white, because I had lent on the wet wall. So I ruined this new coat that I, that I bought. I managed to lose the phone and broke my foot. And the next, and we were starting a tour with Duran Duran and, a, and an arena tour at last. So I, <laughs> so I, two days later, I had to turn up at Duran Duran's soundcheck and on crutches. Like, this is our first ever time playing arenas. I mean, I adore Duran Duran as well from being a kid. So I was thrilled to be playing with them. Yeah, I sort of hobble in and nick. Rose, the keyboard player, is like, just points at me and is like, how long are you on those for? Like, it was just like, are we, <laughs> should we kick these guys <laughs> off the tour? And I was like, oh, it'll be off in a few days. Don't worry about it. I'm only just <laughs> eight weeks, the entire tour. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it's horrible. Wow. It was That's horrible. Wow. It's actually horrible. a horror story. Yeah. Another one. Oh, Can man. I quickly do these ones? Do you have yeah. time for another oh, one? Yeah, this is, these are awful. So this one, this one, and so we play, we play a, a festival called Bamboozle here in Bamboozle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, so we were on the West Coast Bamboozle, and um, we were leaving that night to go to Denver, which is a really long drive. Yeah. It's like 12 hours, 10 it's, hours. It's a solid, to Denver. It's from... like Death Valley, and it's a beautiful drive, but it's long drive. Yeah. So we play... Our keyboard player is sick. He's been partying too hard and he's very sick. And he goes to the hospital and he's got an abscess in his throat that is like swollen and like fucking his throat a little bit. So they give him like antibiotics and they give him some of the pills and pretty big pills, like sort of thumb sized pills. Like he gets back from the hospital, we finish up at Bamboozle and we head off on that big drive all the way up to Denver. And it's a long drive, and it's, you know, it's, it's sort of dark. It's getting dark by the time we're about half an hour away from Denver. And we get, and he's driving at the time. And we get to a, you know, we've got a GPS before the phone could do this stuff. So there's the GPS there. It's like 30 minutes to the hotel in Denver. And we get to a point where it's like a tunnel, tunnel under the mountain, um, you know, under one of the mountains. And there's a right turn, and he's like, he suddenly goes, you know, there's a scenic route that we can take, actually, um, that takes us up through the, the Rocky Mountains. Uh, and it'd only be like another like half an hour on, probably looking at it. And we were like, no, nope, we've been in the car for 12 hours. No one wants to do that. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Go on. Just <laughs> terrible idea. Straight ahead. He's like, well, I'm driving. Anyway, an argument ensues. The four, four of us are going, you're out of in mind, just get to the hotel. We've been in this van for like too long, and he's like, "No, I want to see the scenic route. We're in the Rocky Mountains." So he just takes the right. Obviously, he's driving. He, you know, very quickly we begin our wind up the mountain, and you can only go at like 15 miles an hour up those mountains, like slow. Yeah. And we're winding like slowly, corkscrewing up these mountains. About an hour and a half later, we get to the top of the mountain, and then we head off on a straight across the top of the mountain, which are snow-covered. It's the winter, and there is like 15 inches of snow either side of the road. About two and a half hours later, we turn a right, and we hit 30 feet of snow blocking the road. There is no way through. 
we have to turn around <laughs> and come all the way back down the mountain. <laughs> we're 20 minutes away. We've been in the car now for like 15 hours. My jaw is dropped. <laughs> so we get. We also have no fuel. We're also running out of fuel. So about two hours later, we we find the petrol station and we pull in to fuel up. At this point, uh, he thinks it's a good time to take one of these pills. So he takes one of the pills, which lodges in his throat, and he's like starts choking to death. <laughs> and we're up a mountain, and it's dark. And I don't know where we are. <laughs> so we're kind of like in shock and he's like actually choking. So I hop out of the van and like run into the petrol station and I'm like, can you, can you dial an ambulance? Because one of us is choking in the car. And she's like, ambulances are going to be here for like an hour. I was like, oh my God, he's going to die <laughs> of the mountain. So I run back in the car, like ready to do the Heimlich remover. Not that I've ever yeah. maneuvered, not that I've ever done it over. But I was like psyching myself up and thank God it had gone down in that time and he's just like sobbing in the front of the car and the whole thing is just an absolute fucking train wreck. We're all distraught, like emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. We're still an hour from the hotel and um, we just drive in silence to the hotel for another <laughs> Wow. I can guys, can't you just picture that that last hour? Uh uh, like uh, no one can talk to each other. Yeah, everyone's pissed, scared, exhausted, <laughs> choking on horse pills. Uh, it's just I ridiculous. literally need a drink. Like I need a drink. <laughs> Look, I. It's funny. I don't wish choke choking or on anybody, but for taking that turn after a twelve-hour day, he deserved all of that. Like uh, on tour. Uh, I know. You're like, you're tired. You're beat up. It's exhausting. That is such a bad move. Uh, I, I, I but, but here's the terrible thing. I relate to him. I know. You. <laughs> I relate to him. I, I would do that. That is something I would consider do doing. Man. Uh, yeah. Those are, so well, that, it, yeah. those are exceptionally horrible horror stories. <laughs> yeah, you, you killed it. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be like, you know, I, I expect as this goes on to, It'll be, you know, we played a show and like it was just my mom and like it was uh, embarrassing. Definitely done that. <laughs> but these yeah. are like, these are gruesome and life threatening and yeah, terrible. That's how you know when someone's played a lot of shows. Like, yeah, they're going to have the, the more shows you play, the you're going to have better tour stories. That's true. I just kept getting hurt on tour as well. Like, I kept getting hurt. Like, I broke my foot. Then I, like, scratched my eye, like, on, on a, on a oh. cardboard box, on the merch box, you know. Oh. And then then I got, then I actually got the bullet. So there was a time where, and then I had something else happened with my throat and something else. And there was a time where I had, like, a year's supply of, like, Vicodin just hanging around because they just kept giving me painkillers every time I'd go to the doctor. As a, miracle, as a miracle, I didn't come back a junkie from <laughs> Doctor, doctor, I need Vicodin. I scraped my forehead with a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah. Is it time for another segment? Yes. Let's do this. This is One Hit Ponder. I wrote one good song to 
looking straight to the top I only wrote one new song Then my band got dropped <laughs> It's like, I like it's a little real, you know? <laughs> I know, but, I was just like, oh shit but do you do you have a favorite uh, one hit wonder, a one a favorite like one hit wonder song? Of mine? No, yeah. no, 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 not of yours. No, of someone else. <laughs> oh, like, someone else. Yeah. yeah. We should clarify not, that. Yeah, yeah. We're we not like asking our. Yeah. I always love Sex and Candy. Uh, wow. Oh, you don't God. even know how good of an answer that is. Here's Sex and Candy. Oh, no, that's, don't worry, be happy. This is sexy. <laughs> Hanging around. You had it cute, I'm just that good, Coyle. So wow, what a pro. I just sit down and think about myself, and then there she ben, was. Ben. Don't worry, be happy. Like double cherry pie. Was the best yeah, possible song was. you could have played. <laughs> like disco super oh, listen to this pre-chorus build-up. Yeah, that's a great one. Wow, wow it's, I, I love that. Okay, I love that you said it. How many of us owned the self-titled Marcy Playground record with Sex and Candy on it? We'll do a raise hands and, and some Maybe, support. Yeah. All four. Three out of four. I have a weird answer. Well, my twin brother had that. So we didn't share CDs at the time, but it was rare that we doubled up. So he had he was the Marcy Playground. And to be and to be fair, you guys are fraternal, so it, it doesn't actually so it doesn't count. <laughs> if if you were identical, you would have owned it. Is that correct? Correct, correct, correct. Um, but that's a great choice, Coyle. But you, you, just just to just to be clear, you guys do know there is a Marcy Playground in in New York. It's in Williamsburg, right? Yeah, just it's in like Bed Stuy, kind of. Yeah. Huh. Is that what they're named after that playground? Or not? They just made it up. I don't know. It's I when, when I walked when I walked by it, and I was like, surely this is where they got their name. <laughs> this is a podcast. We don't do research. <laughs> and uh, on that note. I think it's about time we wrap it up with Coil. Those songs we played, they're on your uh, record. You're you're literally about to drop a new record called Funland, right? I am next Friday. <laughs> well, then it's safe to say by the time you listen to this, Coil has already released his multi-platinum selling new album. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Congratulations, mate. I've been I've been lucky enough to hear it in advance. Uh, it's a spectacular record. Um, you are a, a beast, an incredible songwriter, amazing singer. Uh, we, we admire you greatly. And we're glad you did this. Thank you for, for oh, hanging well, with us. Well, thank you for having me. Everyone, go, go listen to Coil Drelli's beautiful singing voice. Do it. Do it now. Do it. And uh, we're going to actually, we're going to end with Do You Want to Dance? Thanks, Coil. It's my pleasure. Pretty when you cry and pretty
lipstick stains and your cigarette smoke Too. 